Good. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Light Beer, Dark Money. I'm Sean Noble. And I'm Chris Clements. And uh, this show is about faith, freedom, and free enterprise. And our goal here is to agree on something, even if we don't always agree on something. And if you like this episode, please share. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube for right now. Hopefully we won't get canceled after yeah. this podcast because yeah, yeah, yeah. we've got such a controversial guest. <laughs> and, and we're very excited to bring your special guest today, John Kondo, who um, has the distinguishing characteristic of being a former long snapper for the Oakland Raiders. And also, uh, briefly, for the San Francisco 49ers. I know I'm missing a team in there somewhere. Falcons, right? but couple. Couple teams. Couple, couple teams. <laughs> but, but, but John had an illustrious career, like long career. Um, how many years were you in the NFL? So uh, I played, I was part of 15 seasons. Yeah. So wow. it was, you know, my first year out of college was 2005. Started with the Dallas Cowboys. 2006. Or, I mean, if you want me to get and into you, and it. you were a terrapin, right? Yeah, right. I was a terrapin. Okay, uh, we'll, we'll we'll overlook that. Maybe. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with being a terrapin. No, don't know that. I spent a summer there, and um, it's a very interesting place, College Park. I mean, hopefully, you got to enjoy some crab cakes and some old bay seasoning. I, I had to stay <laughs> in the uh, Alpha Fee House, uh, which we had converted into an intern house, as I was looking for a job on Capitol Hill. Okay, and I would drive in, take the BW Parkway, yeah, yeah. all the way in uh, to DC, like find a parking space, and then hit the hill and do all that stuff. So I got to know College Park well, a little bit for a summer. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. It's a great place to be. Um, such a huge campus to begin with, and th- being the proximity to DC and Baltimore, and like. The beaches, like the Eastern Shore, I yeah. mean, it's it's unbelievable. I, I grew up in Pennsylvania, and I think it was always my dream to go to Penn State University. I grew up 20 minutes from there. My grandfather had season tickets. My first game was actually Penn State versus Maryland when I was maybe 10 years old, eight mm-hmm. years old. And, uh, yeah, it was always my dream, and things happen, and, and I ended up in Maryland, which is probably the best thing for me as an individual because – a lot of my friends ended up going to Penn State, you know, the branch uh, uh, branch uh, campuses and stuff throughout the throughout the state, and they were home every weekend. And I grew up in a small town; it was twenty five hundred people, I believe. Mm-hmm. And just being able to to drive three and a half hours to University of Maryland College Park, it was gave me my independence for the first time, which I needed. I, I played three sports. I was, you know, all state in football. I, I won a state championship in wrestling and. Uh, baseball. I had a scholarship to play baseball in college, so it was just such a small town. And I don't know, be, getting away. It was. It actually, I think, looking back, obviously, done me the best. You know, for my made me. You know, more of a independent person and, and living by myself and branching off and getting out of my comfort zone. And and it was it was awesome. And also, it wasn't so far away where my parents could come down three and a half hours or sure. if I wanted to get home for a weekend I could but it wasn't a 20 minute drive right like long enough that it was disincentive exactly that's exactly. good yeah that's, I'm a big believer that when well, you go off to college you got to get some independence and that area yes. like you mentioned is kind of the center of the universe it, it is it, and really my only regret regret is not branching off and doing all the things that you could do in DC and Baltimore and, and Maryland in general I'm a big history guy mm. and looking back I wish I would have taken advantage of all the historic events um, or places, you know, uh, that are in the area, you know, particularly like in the Civil War and all, all the battlegrounds uh, or the, bat- uh, the battlefields and uh, other areas that the state has offered. And yeah. in D.C. and in uh, all the museums and all the history that they have, like right there in our backyard at University of Maryland, I just, my only regret is not really fully taking advantage of that. Yeah, it's easy to get kind of caught in your own little bubble. Yeah. And, well, plus well, you're playing, you're playing football. football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and, and uh, that was what, you know, presumably the, you were there for. And, and uh, tell us a little bit about that, that experience, college football. Yeah, I mean, so in high school, I, I played three sports. I had scholarships to play all three. Uh, I went to University of Maryland. I walked on. My, or I didn't walk on. I had a scholarship. I registered my first year. I was too small. I was a linebacker. Mm-hmm. And I played fullback and linebacker in high school, and the the Terps, they, the coaching staff wanted me to be. Who was your coach linebacker. at the time? Uh, at that time, it was Ron Vanderlinen. Mm-hmm. Um, it was probably ten to twelve, not all in him, but ten to twelve, maybe fifteen years straight losing seasons, uh, no bowl appearances, and they had the right players in place. 
Um, unfortunately for him, it was, it was his third or fourth year, went five and six. So the next year, uh, my first year of playing, and we got a new coaching staff, uh, Ralph Friesian, who came from Bobby Ross, San Diego Chargers back in the 90s. They went to the Super Bowl, Georgia Tech time. Uh, he, or he spent time in Georgia Tech in the, in the 90s as well and had a tremendous success as an offense coordinator. They brought him in. Finally, I was going to get an opportunity to play because uh, I registered my first year. Well, it was going into that summer uh, session. We realized, the team realized, that the long snapper fell out of school. Cool. And he was, <laughs> he was a true freshman His the same year as, uh, as, as whenever I came in. He was the same year as me. And uh, there was a senior on the team as well, but he graduated. So that summer session, we realized, hey, there's no long snapper on this team at all. So they kind of lined everyone up and said, hey, who can do this? All the linebackers, tight ends, you know, everyone, probably 20, 30% of the team probably just, you know, attempted it. And they're like, well, Kondo, you're, you're the only one who can get it back there at 15 yards. So just keep practicing it over summer. And, you know, we'll try to figure, we'll try to f find a guy from a community college or, uh, military academy or somewhere to, to come in and, and fulfill that position. I'm like, okay, well, doesn't matter. I'll, I'll work hard. And, uh, well, training camp came in August and they didn't bring a guy in. They couldn't find one. They're like, well, let's see what you got. How, how, how hard have you been working? And I'm like, okay, well, well, it's still, you're our best guy. So you're basically all we got. <laughs> so, so I was like, okay, awesome. Like I was so excited because I'm like playing division one football, ACC, you know, and, it's just going to be an awesome experience for me. Uh, I'm a team player. I just wanted to do whatever I could to, to give uh, back uh, and, and contribute to the team. Sure. And so I started playing, went four or five weeks in. I was, it was just awesome playing Division One football. But then I realized, well, I'm not playing scout team. I'm not playing defense. I'm, ju I'm just a specialist. I'm like looking on the sideline. I'm like, okay, I have a kicker over here and a punter over here. Uh, don't really gel with these guys. These conversations, like these aren't football players, you know, they, they're kind of, you know, head cases, so to speak. Like these are kickers, you know, I, I don't want to hang out with these kickers. And I actually really wanted to transfer. I was just like, I, this is not for me. I need to be doing something. And at that time, I remember having conversations with my father, who's a big impact in my life. I, I looked up to probably my biggest role model. And um, I, I, I told him, I go, listen, I can't handle this. Like, I'm not doing anything. I need to be busy. I'm sitting on the sideline 95% of the practice. And in the game, I'm, I'm playing, which is awesome, but I'm only in like 90 95% of the game. And he's like, well, John, you know, let me tell you a little bit something about commitment. You signed a four-year deal to play, you know, Division One football with the Terps, and they signed it too. He goes, if it was up to me, I'd honor that commitment. But you're your own person. You can do whatever you want. So, I, I mean, I took those <laughs> words to dear, and, and I – Said, you know what, you're right. So I, I you got to I, know the kickers. So I got to know the kickers. <laughs> so I became a specialist. And and at that time, okay, you guys are weird, but I, okay, I'll, I'll hang out with you. No, I, I mean, yeah, it, 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 I became really good friends with them. And uh, I, I, at first, obviously, I disliked it, but then my coach said, "You can make a lot of money doing this someday." And I just kind of rolled my eyes. And next thing you know, yeah, you because know, in the NFL, two, you, you think about money makers are the, the quarterbacks yeah. and, and and the big D linemen and whatever else, yep. and you yeah. never think about no. Long I, and, and I and at that time, there, I mean, there long snaps were. I don't want to say specialist positions in the NFL, but they usually had a backup position, a backup offense lineman, a backup tight end who did that position. But my coach said, you, you can do it. I, listen, I spent time in the NFL. I know you could do it. And I just kind of, again, rolled my eyes. But it wasn't until probably the end of my junior, being in my senior year, where coaches from the NFL were actually coming in and scouts just to watch me snap. And I was like, holy cow, this, this <laughs> could be a reality. You know, like, this could be something. So next thing you know, the season ends and teams are calling me up and work, I'm working out for all the pro days and combines and teams are calling me and I have I signed with an agency and I'm like this could be a possibility and it's just I don't know a very exciting time for me at that moment and fortunately I had the opportunity to play in the NFL that's, that's amazing. awesome what uh how did you tell us but, but so you spent the the most of your career is in Oakland mm -hmm. with the Raiders um how did you end up there so coming out of college I I signed uh an undrafted free agency uh, or a free agent deal with the Dallas Cowboys. And I remember being on the phone with Bill Parcells and they're like, listen, we like you. 
you played linebacker in college because my last two years, they actually said, okay, we finally got a backup for you. <laughs> so you could continue to play some linebacker. Unfortunately, at that time, Sean Merriman came and oh. I backed him up. So I didn't really <laughs> – got some, I got some garbage time in the fourth quarter, but uh, it was all worth it. Uh, so, yeah, so he said, hey, listen, we love your coverage ability. You're actually a factor. You're not like some guy snapping a ball and just being a, another guy like a, like the punter and being a non-factor in the play. Like these returners are really athletic, and we need a 10th guy at least down there making some sort of plays. And um, so they signed me, played three games. We had some missed kicks. And I don't know. It, it, was it my fault? I don't know. But – I was the low man on the totem pole, and they just said, you know, we're, we're releasing to you. So I found out real quick how the NFL worked and, it, like, the business of it. You know, when, sure. I, when I made that for the initial 53-man roster, I was like, man, I got myself an apartment, thinking about car, car to, uh, you know, what car I'm going to buy, and uh, and everything was going good. And then week it was after week three, so it was just like, hey, you know, I had my ankles tape about ready to go out for practice, and the guy just tapped me on the shoulder. I looked around. He goes, hey, yeah, we're going to release you. I'm like, okay. Wow. I had no idea what to do, and I was just, like, standing there like. So they didn't give you any sort of explanation? Or no, just they just, sort of, you know, I mean. You had three, two the, bad games. Or, yeah, I mean, and, and I wouldn't even say that it was bad games. It was like our kicker was missing. Like, the next week, the kicker missed another one, and he got released. So it was a combination of things. They, they had, like, three or five, three or four kickers throughout training camp. You know, a couple of those long snappers were because I, I was in competition. A couple of different holders at that time. It was Tony Romo who was holding. And no we all and know what punter, happened to him. Well, <laughs> and it's funny to, to talk about that because with that hold that I'm thinking that you're referring to that he had in the playoff Am game. I referring to something about Tony <laughs> Romo? I, I wasn't aware of that. <laughs> we, we played. Maybe up in, I might be. <laughs> we played up in uh, Seattle that same year in the preseason and the same exact thing happened. You know, where he just kind of botched I'm a sorry, snap. I don't like the Dallas Cowboys. I really don't care. Well, <laughs> I mean, they gave me an opportunity. So there's there's some, obviously my alliances or my, my allegiance is probably to the Raiders. Yeah. The Raiders. But uh, no, and, and I mean, it was probably one of the better things that happened to me because it made me learn real fast how the business was, like how it was handled and, and how the staff and administration handled players and you know, it's just not like you're not safe. So I moved in with my brother Bill in Southern Maryland and became a substitute teacher. And I learned real fast. I went to school to be a teacher. I wanted to be a coach yeah. and a teacher. And I learned real fast that I did not want to be a teacher. <laughs> so I was like, okay, <laughs> I, I got to continue to work to if I want to have an NFL career. So I continued to work. Nothing really panned out that year. I had some workouts. Finally, I signed with the Patriots in the offseason of 2006. Signed with them. Got to see that organization, which is – Un unbelievable. You, 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 you learn real quick why they had success because it was a player-led team. It wasn't like the coaches telling the players what to do and putting the peer pressure on the players to do it. It was the players themselves taking it upon themselves to do the work. And if you didn't do the work, you wouldn't hear it from the coach. You'd hear it from the players. Mm -hmm. And and that's how that team was like how it was led. And it's no it's no it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out how they had success. And Tom Brady specifically right. going to Tampa Bay this past year and winning the Super Bowl in his first year, taking a team that's hovering around 500, and the next thing you know, it's just taking them to the next level. So that, that, what you're describing is more of a function or, or a culture. Do you think that was created by Brady, or is it created? Was I it think Belichick, Belichick. I think Belichick. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, it, it was a combination of things, yeah. and even and and Mr. Kraft as well, just yeah. being the owner. Just not that he stood out, like. Uh, stepped aside or anything like that, but it was just a matter of getting all the right pieces in place. But I mean, how you see any team, especially professional teams, because you're dealing with grown men, you're not dealing with you know teenage kids that are 18 years old, 19 years old in college, and even high school kids, where you can, you are shaped and influenced by you know coaches. You're dealing with grown men that where some of the coaches or some of the players are older than the coaches. Sure. So once you get a team that takes it upon themselves, like hey, this is our team. You know, yeah, the coaches are going to be there, try to put us in the right positions, but this is our team. You, we, we, you take it as far as you want to take it. And you can see it in all sports. You know, I, I like to really, because I spent time in the Bay Area, I look at the, the San Francisco Giants. Mm. When they, they won three, three World Series championships in a matter of five or six years, there's not that many, like, star power players on those, on those teams. I mean, yeah, you had Buster Posey and you had some pitchers, but for the most part, you saw them come together as a team and, 
and you watch them play in October, and they're just gritty. They're just finding ways to win. And that, and the same with the you know in, in the NFL, you, you've there's teams out there like the Giants. Remember the New York Giants with Eli Manning. Like one of those teams, I think they're a, a, a wild card team. They I don't even they they're like maybe. Ten and six or nine and seven, mm-hmm. they get in, but they just were peaking at the same at the right time, and the players started believing. They started like saying, "Hey, this is our thing. This is our opportunity to, to be uh, be part of history," and they just rolled with it. Yeah. So it's it's the NFL, it, and you have coaches, and they understand that. But it's it's a matter of finding the right players to take that upon themselves. You know, you have to find the right leaders. Uh, to, to help mold the younger guys and, and teach them how it is to be a professional. And usually the su- successful teams, you know, you're going to find that chemistry in the locker room. Every team, has, every team has talent, but it's just a matter of, you know, finding those right locker room guys to get the team, you know, how they, you know, to teach, teach the young guys in, in, uh, specifically how to be a player. Yeah. So you're in New England, you see this amazing – structure of of player-led philosophy and then you end up in oakland Mm -hmm. what was it what what was there differences what did you take from new england to oakland well so i i got to yeah so i got released by new england how long were you there uh just for an off season season. i played a couple preseason games and then uh they released me in august so Mm -hmm. i moved back in with my my mom and dad in pennsylvania didn't know what was going to happen. So I, I started working for my dad. Uh, he, he retired. He was a retired school teacher. He, he was oh, yeah. painting homes at the time. So I started working with him and st- I continued to work out because I was like, just never know when I'm going to get that call. I always wanted to be prepared because you never know when the opportunity is going to be presented to you. Uh, fortunately, I did get that call. And and while I was painting a windowsill, my agent said, hey, can you make an airport in three hours? I'm like, yeah, just book it up Pittsburgh. I could probably get there in two and a half. And it was like, I was, I was like, and this is how I was brought up. I was, I get down from the ladder and I'm like cleaning my brush. I told my coworker, I'm like, hey, you know, like I got a call. I'm going to Oakland. But my dad always said, hey, whenever you're done painting, you'll clean up, you know, clean up your brush, clean up your mess. So I started like cleaning up like frantically. And my coworker's like, John, what the heck are you doing? Like, <laughs> get out of here. I'll clean that up for you. And I didn't even tell my dad I was leaving. I was just like, I got in the car. I packed the bag and left. Got out to Oakland, made it, made the, uh, had a great workout, but they decided to go with someone else. Mm. So I was all bummed out. I was like, man, like I thought I did great. I, I, I in my opinion, obviously I, I snapped the best. So I was like, I, I thought it was my position, but they, they decided to go with another guy and which is, is cool. But I was packed. I was ready to go to the airport. But the guy, one of the guy in the administration came down and said, Hey, can you play linebacker? I'm like, yeah, of course I can. You know, like who can't basically. And I played in college, <laughs> like, cause I knew where he was going. He's like, yeah, because we have a practice squad spot opening up because we, we just took a guy off the practice squad to be a little snapper. We have one, and tomorrow we have practice, so we need a guy. I was like, yeah, of course, I'll do it. So I, I basically the last five games of that year, I was on practice squad. No one knew, like, and when they signed me, everyone just thought I was a linebacker. No one knew I could long snap except for the kicker and the punter. And um, and at, at the end of the season, they, they wanted to re-sign me, and I made sure I was going to get an opportunity to snap because I knew my my career in the NFL wasn't as a linebacker. So uh, they signed me, uh, and and Lane, it was Lane Kiffin at that time uh, getting the opportunity from from Al Davis and signed me, and, and it was a one-year deal. I had like three or four one-year deals in a row, and – uh, so it always kept me on top of my game, you know. I, I, I think never, I, I think Lane Kiffin's deal was like a one year. Deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one year and three games, I think. <laughs> After we attempted a seventy six yard field goal, which uh, yeah, is, is definitely. Uh, it, it, it <laughs> I don't think the University of Southern California that ever happened. No, I don't know where it, he learned it, that. It's funny, like every year, like I see on like on Twitter on social media, it says on this date back in you know, I don't know, two, like September. 28th, you know, 2007, Lane Kiffin attempted a 76 yard <laughs> field goal. And they have like a minute clip of them showing it. And, and literally, like, when I remember, because it was right before the half and it was versus the Chargers. And, the play and, that and, killed and, Al Davis. And, and, and like, and we huddled up on the sideline and I'm like, oh, it's fourth down. I know I'm either going to be punting or kicking a field goal, which I'm like, I don't know why we'd be kicking a field goal, but Seabass was right there. Her kicker, Sebastian Janikowski. And I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. Next thing you know, I heard Lane just said, hey, let's kick it. 
and you can kind of <laughs> see my lips like said a couple of bad words like are you like kidding me and he just like kind of looked at me gave me a glance and i'm just like i like didn't know what how to respond so i just kind of turned around and ran out on film like I don't, well i'm gonna be out on display anyway so next thing you know the field goal team comes out here we're kicking a 76 yard field goal um the return there was a returner in the back because he was like he's definitely going to be short as a uh, Cromartie. And, um, he literally just returned one the week before same, same scenario. Yeah. So I was like, Oh man, this is going to be, this, this is not, is gonna not be good. a good this idea. This is not going to be good. Fortunately, you know, we snapped, he was, uh, Seabass was short and, uh, but we were able to tackle him and go in the, uh, halftime unscathed. But I don't know if that's the play that got him fired, but it, probably sent it's definitely out part of over it. the yeah yeah because yeah. I, I think when he had al had his press conference because i i know he had like a little press conference when he when uh lane got fired and oh yeah he did bring that up he did bring that up and i don't know but you know i'm i'm, I'm definitely grateful for for um lane and giving me the opportunity he's you know first coach to come in there and said you're going to be our guy and so what, I mean, listening to you, it's it's such a great story of resilience because yeah. you had so many fit, you know, false starts or just yeah. short ups and downs. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. What? I mean, I don't think anybody grows up dreaming to be a long snapper, um, and you kind of fell into this because there wasn't one, and you happened to be the best probably unbeknownst to you, mm-hmm. um, but given that you obviously are an amazing athlete, you, you know, had scholarships for three different sports. What, um, should there be people, I mean, should there be football players and at the high school level and the college level that actually pursue this? Is that something that you think? Oh, it's sense? going on. It's going on right now. Okay. I mean, long time now, like when I first got in, it was basically someone, a backup, a, a role position. And, when I first got in, that's how it was. But then you just slowly saw the the change of that where, hey, these games are coming down to points. Yeah. And every point matters. So we can't really trust, you know, a backup lineman or a backup tight end who's, who's – he could get the ball back there, but we need precision. We need, like, 99.9% accuracy on all plays. And um, and, and you just – you saw the, the, the revolution of how – you know, it came from the snapper, you know, from a, being a backup role position to being full-time where teams started to say, hey, we're, we have three positions on the team or three roster spots on the team, one for the snapper, one for the kicker, and one for the, the punter. And it just became – it's a norm now. Yeah. And, and and it's becoming, you know, so recognized where you see high school kids, there's camps where high school kids are – it's just long snappers. And they're getting they're getting full scholarships to wow. be just the long snappers. So you, you, you see it as basically a, a position now. And, and which is really cool to see. That's amazing. It's really cool to see. And and yeah, when I first started playing, it was like there's no holds bar. Like I was just on offensive line. And but you see now it's, we're protected positions. We're we're snapping with our heads down, so people can't line up over top of us. So you don't have to be a big lineman body. Now you could be 215, 220 pounds to do it. You see typical snappers probably between 215, 220 to 240. I would say. And which is which is a good thing because it's given people who might not have the athletic ability to to, to play football even in, in the high school level, um, it's given them the opportunity to be on the football field. Sure. So, are they relying on long snappers as much to block downfield? And uh, yeah, I mean, know, look at the return game. Plays. Look at the return. I mean, especially when I was playing in the AFC West with the Raiders, we were going to going against Tyreek Hill, which is. He's so fast, and he's a phenom in the return game. And, like, you saw how the Chiefs worked. It was all about field position. Like, the first couple of years when Andy Reid was there, their starting field position was, like, the 40-some yard line, which is crazy because it's it just give give them – make a couple first downs, you're already in field goal range. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and that's in the return game. It's a matter of, you know, it, like, people look at punters like, okay, well, what's your gross yard is? It's really – that's not what – like dictates a good punter these days. It's all about net yardage. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's cool if you could punt the ball 55, 60 yards, but if you're giving up a 20-yard return every time, that's not really doing the team any favor. You know, so now you see a lot where the game has changed from a punter just punting the ball as far as he can. Now it's all, you know, uh, sideline punts, trying to pin the returner to the sidelines to, to you know, kind of put the whole coverage team on that side to eliminate the, any return. 
So the game has changed, and especially in his uh, point of view. Which is funny. It's kind of like what you do in a video game. Yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> it's true. I mean, yeah. all the, the you know, EA Sports and college football and Madden, you always try to pin, pin yeah. the ball on the sideline. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 you're, you're, why don't they do more of this in the NFL? Well, it, it's, it's, yeah. to be part of the game in 2005, 2006, where it was kind of just like it was just a play, but now yeah. every single, like, there's so much, so many, uh, uh, trying to think of it, like analyticals of the game where people were just like trying to find every little inch to 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 better their team because yeah. you just never know what play is going to be to to one put points on the board board but two to change the momentum and momentum is big in any, any right. game right because you could see you know it's very uncommon to see a team just come out and dominate four quarters in a row like nonstop. There's, you know, there's there's uh, valleys and uh, peaks in every game, whether whether sport it is for the most part, and especially football because it's a turnover, it's a big hit on a quarterback, it's um, a long run, it could be a short run that a, a running back just runs over a linebacker, just gets the team fired up. It's yeah. just you never know what play is gonna that is gonna happen to spark that that um, momentum. So you're with the Raiders for how long? So uh, uh, 2000, end of 2006 through the 2017 season. So that's just that's almost unheard of. Yeah. Within yeah. in terms of your longevity, yeah. and you saw a lot of Raider football obviously oh, yeah. during those years. So I just want to shift the conversation just a little bit, uh, and I don't want you to you know say anything poorly about the organization that that gave you all those years or anything. But the Raiders are are an enigma in the NFL. <laughs> is that is that is that fair? <laughs> yeah. Is that a fair conversation? I mean. They're just, but with the Al, who Al Davis was and the family. I mean, they've they've been in Oakland, they've been in Los Angeles, they've been back to Oakland. Now they're in Las Vegas, and people love them. I mean, Raider Nation is is a huge part of our our country and mm -hmm. a huge part of the game. And and you either love it or you hate it or whatever. But it seems to be the most dysfunctional piece of the NFL, where they've you know they. It seems oh, like where on. a lot of players. <laughs> well, but, but it seems where like a lot of players just go and they end their careers or, or what have you. And and you know what? Just talk a little bit about the you know the NFL and what made great organizations. You talked talked a little bit about obviously the Patriots mm -hmm. and what makes organizations that just they just can't quite get it together. And 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 the Raiders are are kind of in the middle of that. I, I yeah. would say they they've been great and then they've been you know inconsistent. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, I'm 100% grateful to to the Oakland Raiders and to the Davis family for giving me the opportunity. Absolutely. And, and I can only speak on my experiences. I, I mean, you look at the Raiders. I mean, Al Davis was part of that organization since the early '60s, and he was as an owner, coach. He liked to, to do things his way, and and whether it was right or wrong, like he had success. He had success. Just you know, win, John Madden, and, and yeah, in the, in the '70s and uh, even in the '80s, he had success, and in the '90s and uh, I think, I mean, I could only speculate on what happened or like how it got to the point, but it's more so, um, I would say he liked his control and he wanted coaches to do things his way, I, I would say, which I think when coaches got in there, they're mostly younger coaches. Mm -hmm. Look at when John yeah, Gruden got in there, he was a young coach, Lane Kiffin, young coach, you know, and um, or it was an older coach who's kind of, you know, on the tail end of his career and he can't really get a job and so he gets an older coach in there. Um, it, it's, you know, I, I do remember defensive coaches coming in there and they wanted, Mr. Davis wanted the defense to be run a certain way. And no matter what, it was going to be Raider 3 coverage. It was man-to-man -man coverage and that's how it was going to be. And I don't want to say he didn't give the coaches the freedom, but he probably had more of a say in how things were being run. Um, that's my only guess on like, you know, how the team was. Yeah. But I think when Mark Davis came into the picture, he did a good thing right away. He hired a GM who kind of took over everything and Mark stayed out of the business side or not the business, I'm sorry, the football side of it. And he kind of did the business. He wanted to be, you know, help, you know, to, to make the, the organization, uh, you know, be more notable on the business side of things. And he hired a man to do the football uh, side of it. And I think it started getting on the right path. I think they're on the right path right now, obviously. I think Coach Green is, is a great coach. Um, 
Mike May- Mayock is the GM. I think they're doing the right things to to build, you know, an organization back to what they were in the seventies and eighties. So, um, but you know, it, it's hard to say what makes a good organization from a bad organization. It's it's just. I think trust, I think communication, all those things probably in any type of business, you know, just being able to be on the same page as, as you know, from the t- top to the totem pole to the bottom, you know, everyone needs to be on the same page and doing the right things. And I think there's just a lot of moving parts, you know, whenever I was with the, with the Oakland Raiders and nothing really, okay, everyone was worried what Mr. Davis was going to say. Yeah. And sometimes you, you never gotta, knew when the shoe was going to drop yeah right? and, and you it seemed you, you gotta be I mean, how many to, times was art shell the coach no yeah the Oakland Raiders. and, and, and it, it was just i don't know there, there has to be Poor a trust art. factor in there I don't know. but you know being with the patriots you know i mean you could say yeah that's that's how an organization is supposed to be run but it, I mean, if it wasn't for the players at the time, or even Belichick, who knows what that organization is going to be? Yeah, every they're, they're, every organization has its issues. Yeah, so yeah, it's not yeah. One thing or another. Exactly. Well, and it, it goes to how important uh, personalities are in mm-hmm. organizations. Everyone thinks about a big company, or in, and they don't really think, in a, in a team, it's really about people, and and how they, you know, the leadership that's provided, the interaction, the mentoring, um, and the cohesiveness, and uh, you know. I think that's that that's applicable at any organization. Um, what? How did the camaraderie with players? You know, tell us a little bit about how you you know you you develop friendships and relationships with with other players and their families. And um, I mean, I I presume that's a big part of keeping cohesiveness. Oh yeah, that kind of thing. yeah. Um, and and again, that was another reason why the, the Raiders especially during my time, didn't really pan out. I guess you could say we were always sub 500. Uh, every year there was turnover. You know, there was probably 50% of the team was either being not signed or, or released or traded. And then a new, another 50% new players would come in and then you have to develop those relationships. I can I could talk specifically about specialists. You know, my years, my first couple of years with the Raiders, probably six, seven years, we had the best punter probably to ever play the game, Shane Leckler. Mm-hmm. And, and Sebastian Janikowski, one of the best kickers to ever play the game. And then you had me, which I don't know how I got in it. I was just very fortunate that they 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 liked me and uh, they made me feel comfortable. But there's a cohesiveness with us where we were doing our job. As for the rest of the team, I'm not putting putting blame on why we were losing, but it was just like new, new members every year. Like the tight end room, for example, it could be – there's usually four t- tight ends, three or four tight ends every year, and it's maybe three of them are changing out every year. And it's like, how do you develop that chemistry? You know, the tight ends are important with the offensive linemen to get communication down. The tight ends are important with the wide receivers to get their communication down. But it was always so many different players coming in. It was hard to build that chemistry. I mean, I think there's an understanding in the locker room. Everyone enjoyed everyone. You know, everyone, for the most part, there's, you know, not that many fights or anything like that. But it was a brotherhood. It, it was it was a team. It was a family for us. But it's hard to build that trust when people are in one year out the next. And I think it, it's no wonder why you know the special teams had success because we had that chemistry. You know, year after year, we knew what to expect from each other. So I think if there's more trust in your coaches and your players, that you could get the job done and, and give them a little more slack when it comes of I I want uh, I want. Uh, progress now or I want I want uh I want I want demanding for action or demanding for something like right away it's hard because that's where the NFL is going like you're especially with the like look at the the Buccaneers like sub 500 team to a Super Bowl like that's not going to do other organizations well because GMs and owners are going to see that like well let's do it now right like I want results now but Sometimes you have to build those relationships to, to get those results. And I mean, I, I enjoyed my time with Raiders. You know, developed a lot of great friends, and and met their families and, and all that stuff. But it's just you know, to have a winning team, you have to have that 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 cohesiveness and knowing what to expect year after year. Right. And it's just hard because every year is changing. Even coaches. I mean, I I think I had seven head coaches. Yeah. Wow. And, and, and the twelve years, I was thirteen years with the Raiders. So it's. So yeah, what, that's what, what I expect? tried to touch on earlier is that the revolving door of yeah. Raiders coaches yeah. has just been 
it's it's been just dizzying. Yeah, and, and I, th- I think you made a great point about John Gruden, and he's been there before, obviously, but but hopefully he can he can build on that. First of all, that that commitment to excellence, which is that what the Raiders always you know, yeah talk and, about, but but that consistency, right? Exactly. And, and he signed like a long deal, so that's going to give him his time. Yeah. Which other coaches, Lane Kiffin, you know, Tom Cable, those coaches that didn't have the time, they had a year to produce or, or two years. And with him, he he knows he's getting his players in. Uh, well, Chucky is also really respected. I would, oh yeah, I yeah. would I, yeah. I, within within both the college and and, and pro ranks yeah. in a way that a lot of other coaches probably aren't. Yeah, no, and and I think he's I think he's doing a, a good job. I know he's you watch his games and and with with the talent that they have, they're in most of the games. I mean, last year they 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 beat the, the you know they they had some great wins last year, but then you face a sub five hundred team and then you have a couple setbacks. Um, it's tough to get, to get up every week. It just proves, you know, you have to be ready to play week in and week out. And I mean, they're, you know, a couple games away from being in the playoffs and, and doing some real damage. And I think it's just a matter of learning how to, you know, pull out some wins and getting peaking at the right time. And it's, it's all timing in the NFL. It's all momentum. So it's every team has talent. It's just a matter of, you know, putting that talent together and coming each week to play. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's let's shift just gears just a slight bit and talk a little bit about how you exited mm. the NFL, yeah. which a lot of people don't know. You know, in terms of how players exit, a lot of people are just you know they get released or they they, they retire, and, and uh, your story is rather unique. Yeah. And I remember reading it when we first met, um, I, I'd say about a year ago, and I just was struck by it as how unique and how special it is because you don't. You don't see players taking it upon themselves to exit well sometimes, yeah. and you did. So can you talk a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, so I, at the end of 2017 season, I, I – And it's recent. Yeah, no, it's yeah. Far, long so, ago. So I thought – not that my career was over in 2018, but I, I became a free agent. I'm like, I could still I could still play. The Raiders didn't resign my contract, and I just wanted to prove to them and myself that I could still do it. So fortunately, I signed with the Falcons uh, at the end of 2018. Well, uh, finished the season with them. 2019 came – it's like, I'll, I'll still play if a team calls me, but I don't want to be a free agent. I don't want to be on a plane every week working out, um, taking my time away from my family. You know, if a team calls me before training camp, I, I'll consider it. Well, training camp came and gone. Season started, I was like, okay, my career's over. And and started, you know, thinking about what I was going to do next, uh, living in California. And next thing you know, the season started, week four came, my agent called. Um, he said, hey, the Niners want to work you out. I was like, well, Chad, like, I haven't worked out for a long time. And I haven't snapped the ball for even an even longer time. I lost 20, 25 pounds. Like, there's no way they're going to sign me. And he's like, you just give it up, you know, just give it a try, you know? And I'm like, well, I don't even know if I want to play because I'm my mind, I seriously haven't thought about it. And he's like, listen, this would be great closure. So that's what he sold, sold, sold yeah. me on. He's like, this would be good closure. I'm like, you know what? You're right. It will be. You know, go down. He's like, go down there, get a free lunch, check out their, check out their facilities, you know, meet, meet you know, you know the, the coaching staff and the GM. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I will. So I go down there, had an unbelievable workout. Uh, I weighed in 212 pounds, which I normally play about 235. So I was like, yeah, they're not going to sign me. Well, towards the end of the workout, the special teams coach came up to me. He was like, Hey, what's the latest you ever played? I was like, I don't know, 220, 225, I'd say maybe my latest. He's like, mm. Hey, we're gonna sign you. So we we need to figure out a way to put some weight on you fast. I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and literally at that moment, I said to myself, Oh sh like, like, what am I gonna do? <laughs> like, this is not I wasn't expecting this. And uh so I, I got off the phone, or I, I called my I called my wife and told her she's ecstatic because she was a diehard Niner fan growing up. Her family had season tickets, and uh, she's so excited. She told all of her friends, and she's like, "Yeah, John's gonna be playing for the Niners." And I, I was like, "Please don't bring any more." Like, cause I like mentally, I, I don't know if I'm there. And uh, I, I do the week of practice. This was Tuesday, and uh, so Wednesday's the first week of practice. Go in there the next day. I knew the good thing. I I knew the kicker, and I knew some of the other players on the team, so I felt comfortable. I started having doubts right away because I was mm. like, I haven't like, I haven't played. I this is the first time I put on a shoulder pad since last December, 
and here, like, there's guys running at me now, and, and like, I didn't have a preseason. I didn't have a, a training camp to, to prim- prepare myself. So I started doubting myself right away. And I remember having bad thoughts, like, Friday and even Saturday in the hotel. I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I want to do this. But I convinced myself, I'm like, well, you know what? Maybe game day, you know, the adrenaline will get will kick in, which it did, and it will just make me believe, like, hey, this is why I play the game. Well, game day came. Adrenaline ran out on field. I was pumped up, ready to go. Game started, playing all right. And then it was probably sometime in the middle of the second quarter where I started watching the clock. And I'm like, I want this game to be over with. Mm. You know, I mm. really do not want to be here. And, and, and it started putting bad thoughts in my head and, you know, thinking about the game and thinking about uh, if the game comes down to a last-second field goal or, or, or a kick or a, a punt snap. And, and that's not what you want to be thinking about at all on the sideline, especially when you're not playing. You know, I'm, I'm out there, you know, 5% of the time, and I'm just I have time to think about bad scenarios happen. And it's like that in any sport. And I just remember, you know, I played the rest of the game. Fortunately, you know, we, we, we ended up winning the game. The offense didn't have a good game. We ended up making three or four kicks, which I, I did a pretty good job at snapping, I thought. But that night I was just so relieved that the game was over and we won. And it wasn't my fault that we lost or anything. That was the only thing that was going on in my head. And so I woke up the next morning and I kind of said to myself, and I, I spoke briefly with my wife, I'm like, I think I'm going to call quits. Like, I, I don't want to put myself through that. That was miserable. That was just not how I want to live the rest of my life, you mm-hmm. know, not well, the rest of the season, so to speak, just being in my own head. And so I remember driving to the facility uh, that morning and I called my agent. I told him I was going to retire. And he just completely, he's like, well, you just had a game. You just won. Like, he goes, are you sure? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure. So I went in there. I, I talked to the GM and John Lynch. He was awesome. Yeah. He was really awesome. Talked to him. And, and we had a bye week the following week, which is all. And I kind of wanted to tell him before then just for him to get a new guy in as soon as possible. Because uh, I know the 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 or the uh, logistics of that getting during the bye week, coaches are leaving, players are leaving. You just want to get a guy in as quickly as possible. So I told him, and he said, "Are you sure you want to do this?" I'm like, ah, you know, I'm pretty sure. And he goes, "Why don't you like go home? You know, don't even worry about working out today. Just go home, spend some time with family." And he goes, "I was very fortunate that you know towards the end of my career, I thought I retired to the Broncos, but then Belichick called me with the Patriots. He said, why 'Why don't you come in?'" And I thought, "Yeah." I'll, get another ring with the Patriots. Well, he, same thing. He went to training camp and he's like, this is not for me. And, mm. and Belichick gave him like a week off, went home and thought about it. And he just decided to call it quits then. And he gave me that same opportunity. And I just said, John, or I was just like, John, like, I know, like, I, I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to waste my time. I very selfishly could have stayed on the team and taken another page, uh, paycheck. Sure. Uh, they paid by week there. I could have gotten another game check, which is really, really nice. In the NFL, um, <laughs> but you know, I knew, and I just didn't want to keep people hanging on. And, and it was funny; I, he brought me down to Coach Shanahan, and uh, and it was such a short week the pre- previous week where it was like my first time talking to him. You know, yeah. I saw him in the hallways, say hello and stuff like that, but it wasn't really. You know, I had no conversation with him. And after you know, I, I talked to him. We were like getting up, and we started laughing, you know, about random things. And he's like, "I just couldn't believe my my first conversation with you is." you telling me that you're retired. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, you know, I'm sorry. But uh, so I, it was the best decision I made because I, I didn't have any regrets for the rest of the year. I, I, I got all that worry, the uh, the bad thoughts out of my head, and I didn't have to go week in, week out just thinking if something bad's going to happen. And that could put a lot of stress and anxiety in someone. And I, I'm very proud of myself for, for doing that. And I think any other time when I had bad thoughts in my mind, I would never like talk about it. And I think there's so much into communicating when you're ever, there's some bad things going on in your mind, just to communicate it. Cause just by talking to someone and trusting someone to be able to talk, that does so much to, to your mind. And so, yeah, so I was just very, very fortunate and to get out of there unscathed and, and doing, you know, doing the best for myself and for the team. And unfortunately they went, not unfortunately, but, they went to the Super Bowl that that year, and oh my. you better believe if they would have won, you know, the first person you know that John Lynch was going to hear from the next morning was probably a voicemail <laughs> from me, just reminding him of the d- dedicated decision that I made for the team, the sacrifice that I made <laughs> for right. the team, and, and then plus my ring size. <laughs> 
but you know that, that but, never happens. So, but that's a, just an, a really unique lesson in integrity that we don't you don't see very often nowadays. I mean, just knowing when you're done, mm-hmm. knowing when your time is up, and and anything that you're doing, that, well, you don't have the heart for it anymore. You don't have the passion. You yeah. don't have the the stomach. You yeah. know, the 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 uh, the the gut check, and uh, that's really unique. Yeah. No, it is uh, very think, fortunate to to call it quits whenever you call it quits. Ninety nine point eight percent of the players in the NFL, they just keep going. They yeah they they that that's not how their ending is. Yeah. And I was very fortunate because I had setbacks in my during in the beginning of my career, and I always said when I first made the Raiders, I made it a promise to myself. I go, I want to be able to. You know, I don't want to be tapped on the shoulder again and have someone tell me that, hey, we're releasing you. So I made it upon myself. I'm like, I want to call, I want to be able to determine when my career is over. And that wasn't really in my mind when I was driving to the facility, you know, that, that September uh, morning. But it just that's how things worked out. And I'm very, very happy that it, that's how it was because it's, it's just a very unique situation for someone to call it quits that way. And, uh, yeah, and like I said, no, no regrets at all for doing it. I knew it was it was it was what was meant for me. That's great. Uh, <clears throat> that's the that's a great lesson for anybody that to, to be able to to go out on your own terms when you know it's right and preserve both the, the integrity of your own decision, but also giving the organization mm-hmm. the opportunity to say, okay, we're gonna we appreciate it, and it sounds like lunch was very good about that mm-hmm. and then being able to you know they went out and had a great season yeah. and that's good for them yeah. I mean, it, it, clearly it was the right call for you and it turned out to be a, the right call for the team yeah no it's and I don't know my I just remember watching them throughout that year I and I watched them but not I, I never really invested my time to sit down and watch football and I still haven't I just I have three young kids running around I they yeah. would never allow me to sit down for three hours and watch a game they'd be jumping on me wanting to do swim wanting to do whatever uh and, and that that year and even to this day I you know I, I'm a football fan but it's hard for me to find the time to sit down and watch a game on a Sunday afternoon my, my time is more so turning it on you know a Monday night game or a Thursday night game Sunday night game turn it on where the TV's on I'm interacting with my kids it's not so much where I'm invested my time and just sitting there watching the you're game you're analyzing everything yeah moment, yeah right? yeah so I, I I obviously I miss the game but I don't miss it so much where I you know I'm dwelling on not playing at all it's 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 so interesting that you say it that that way because we all know the guys who were great in high school and that was it yeah. And they're 45 or 50 years old, and they're still reveling in the greatness that they were as a high school quarterback or high school. Al you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and here, a professional football player, it's like, yeah, you know, I got my family. I mean, it's just a, that's awesome. That's yeah. a good, awesome example. No, it, it's it, probably the biggest factor in, in me deciding to hang it up is, is the family because I had that in the back of my mind. And I wanted to be. I want to be there for my kids growing up. I, I know at this time in their lives, at that well, at that time they were five, three, and one. I mean, having you know a presence in their lives, a father figure in their lives at that time, uh, was is, is a key, especially with t- with two young daughters that I have. I want them. I wanted to be a very positive influence in their lives, and I wanted to be there for them whenever they wanted me. And and I know because I know <laughs> from stories that hey. Wait till they become teenagers. They're not even going to want to have anything to do with you. So, so I, I figure my time right now, like, you know, I get it in while I can now. And then they'll come back after, you know, after their teenage years, they'll come back to you. But I just wanted to make them, you know, with their minds being developed right now or at that time, I just wanted to be there just being a father figure and uh, just doing whatever I can to, to help out. And awesome. then you made the, the decision to move here to Arizona and- and you're working in real estate, yep. and you're, you know, raising your kids and coaching soccer yeah, from yeah. time to time. Yeah, I, I just got <laughs> looped into coach soccer. With, <laughs> really, with with uh, Mr. Kondo here. I don't know what it's coach, that's going to. Coach Kondo. Coach Kondo. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, sorry. Right. It was Coach Kondo. No, I don't know what that's going to look like, but it, no. might, it might be fun. I tell you what, like being in sports my whole life, that was probably the most stressful. <laughs> 
part of my whole career in the sporting world, just trying to get what they were six years old that back then, yeah, last year. So last it's year. Like just getting six, all, all girls soccer, all team. girls, seven girls, six yeah, year old, all girls just, soccer team. I walk up to, to drop Grace off, and um, here's this big, big coach sitting there. I don't know who he is, and then and then uh, and then of course my wife, you know, learns that you were with the Raiders yeah. immediately. Like, oh, that guy. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, it, it was awesome. It was, it was definitely I think it's, we it's won stressful. Like one game, maybe? Maybe a tie. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was one game. I distinctly remember one game we lost. I, I think it was like 20 to nothing. Or it was like 20 to 1. It was bad. It was yeah. really bad. And at that time, like, I think our I team, made every game that long. Our team, our team was like all beginner, beginners. They never played before. And like, so I talked to some coaches after the game. I'm like, yeah, this is our third year together. I'm like, you're six years old. Like, this is your third year. Like, you guys start That's like amazing. that. Young. He's like, it's like, yeah. So you see the coach cohesiveness of a team and when they get players get familiar with each other how well they or how much better they can be so we were all beginners even me as a coach but it was after that game I was like you know what? we're not going to work on offense anymore and, and I knew I'm like I, I don't because my kids didn't have fun that practice that, that game it was just not fun you could see like if they lose by a couple points there's still smiles but after that game they're all like heads down and they just did not have fun so I was like you know what? I'm going to change things so I knew the, the, how the games were run. It's a continuous clock. So I was like, okay, anytime the ball is kicked to you, if, if you don't have a, a free lane to the goal, just kick it out of bounds. So when they kicked it out of bounds, the clock is still going. So it restricts the time, the, the amount of time that the other team has to score a goal. So, <laughs> so I kind of like used the clock. And, and from that game on, like, I mean, we were in just about every game. Our defense became really good, really good. We just needed a couple more aggressive offensive players right. to, to, to get in there and, and, and score goals, which we had a couple. But uh, for the most part, our girls, you know, they, they're all beginners. So they're yeah. trying to feel out how the game should be played. You know, they didn't realize, you know, sometimes you have to get your body in there and maybe throw some elbows around to get the ball to be a little aggressive with it. And it's just – I think towards the end of the year they started to figure it, that out. And, and I don't know. We, we ended well, up having and, a and I'm, time. I'm either blessed or cursed with a very aggressive, you know <laughs> – um, very athletic young girl. And one thing I remember distinctly about the season last year is, I mean, you've, you know, you've played professional sports. You've been around some of the greatest leaders, greatest coaches in history, right? Mm -hmm. And you have a lot of people out there coaching little girls soccer who think they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they, some I hadn't been around it before, but and 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 you had like you had a I won't say an altercation, but you had uh, some some words with 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 another coach who just thought he was just yelling at his players. He was yelling at everybody. It was one of the most insane things I've ever seen yeah. for six year old yeah. girl soccer. Yeah, no, it, it I was... mean to your point, people don't leave their road to glory behind no. they 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 think they can live it out through something well, they want else to live yeah. it vicariously through six-year-old yeah soccer, it's just it's the, it was the craziest thing i've ever no, seen it, it was yeah it was it was bad and it was it was very sad to see yeah and it, for me being a coach like i said it was we had all beginners so anytime our, our kids would score which wouldn't happen that much i was I was very energetic and very enthusiastic, and that and that's how I live. You can control your your attitude, and if you're enthusiastic and and have a positive attitude, you don't know who else might be down that day, who you're going to affect to 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 bring up. So that's my biggest one of my biggest characteristics: is always have a positive attitude and be excited when you score things and when good things happen. Be excited, you know. So we scored. I remember we scored, and I think it might have put us up by a point, and I was just like. High five, you know, everyone give everyone a high five and clap hands and, and uh, be excited, do a dance. I don't care. Just be excited. Well, the coach kind of looked at me like, like I was rubbing it in, but that's so not my, you know, my personality. I'm not rubbing it in. These are, these are six-year-old girls playing soccer. Like, I'm not, we're not in a World Cup final. If there were butterflies you know? on the field, they'd be chasing but, those. But it wasn't like, it wasn't just that goal that I was doing that. I was doing that with every goal for every, every, or for the whole season. Well, they scored a goal next, and then he kind of started mocking me, like high fives, like oh. everyone's lap hands, and and like I'm like I just like looked at him, and I'm just like like are you serious? Like, I, and it was just really bad, and and it left a bad taste in my mouth. I went to talk to the guy after, and it was 
another disappointment where I was just like, hey, you know, I have my daughter there. I wanted her to see. And, and I think his daughter, some young girls were over there. I'm like, hey, you know, I just want to like hash it out. Like, like talk man to man. Like what what's going on there? And he just kind of looked at me. He's like, nothing to talk about. Wow. Nothing to talk about. I'm like, seriously? Like you're just mocking me. Like my kids, you know, they're all beginners. I want them to play next year, but they're not going to play if they, they don't have fun. Right. And the only time we can have fun is when we score a goal. You know, we're not winning games. We score one or two goals a game, and I just want them to have fun. And he's just like, yeah, nothing to talk about. I'm like, this it's is so six-year-old girl. Like this soccer. is this is so bad. This is so bad. And 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 I feel bad for for his or, or the the players on his team. Just yeah. if that's what they're getting from a coach, that's not that's not what they need. That's for sure. Yeah, that's nuts. Wow. How did you end up coming to Arizona? Uh, my wife went to ASU. She, okay. She's a Sun Devil, and um, she uh, grew up in California. I grew up in Pennsylvania, so I have no ties to anywhere. And we were it was it was last year or twenty twenty during during COVID. We were visiting my in laws' house in La Quinta, California, and in Arizona just opened up. And we're like, hey, we got three kids. Let's give them a little bit of normalcy. You know, even if it's 50% full, like restaurants and you still have to wear a mask inside. Like, hey, like at least we're outside and doing stuff. Let's take them to a park. And so we, we traveled over and we thought like, maybe let's look at some real estate and see, you know, if, if anything looks good to buy for like a, an investment property. And well, we came here and we learned real quick, like the, the pricing of homes and, the, and the, the amount of space that you get compared to where we were at in the Bay Area. It was like night and day. Like I left, I left the Bay Area. I bought a 1,900 square foot home on like 0.12 acres, and I bought at an outrageous price, like 1,200 to 1,250 a square foot. Yeah. And and it was, I was like, this is gonna be my forever home. So I was like, I'm fine with overpaying because this is a, it's a great location, it's a great property, and we'll make it our own. Well, here I get to Arizona, and basically. For the same price, I'm getting a five thousand square foot home on two thirds of an acre with a lot more space, and and it and it was like it was a no brainer. Yeah. It was literally a no brainer, and and fortunately, my wife. It was hard for her because her family's all in California, but the the thing with her, she loved Arizona. She loves the weather, um, so we we decided to make the move. We we decided to put our kids. We didn't know where California was going in terms of you know with schooling and all that stuff. And our, our oldest, Grace. She was, we started to notice a difference with her. Like she couldn't learn virtually. She could not mm -hmm. get on a computer. And and we find out we did some, you know, had her some, had some tests for her and she developed a little bit of anxiety and, mm -hmm. and some stress. And, and, and we thought the best thing for her was in-person learning. And that was last July. And we started interviewing schools and we found a school and they just said, yeah, we're in person. You know, we're in person right away from the get go. And we're like, this is what we want. This is what the best thing for our family and for, for our daughters and, and for our, our, our son, Jack, um, to get them in school. They need the social interaction. And, and I, I get the topic of, you know, in-person, virtual and stuff. But for us personally, that was the option. We're just very lucky that, you know, we, you know, we have a governor and, and a state that is given that option to, to students and families to like, hey, if you want to learn virtually, you can learn virtually. If you want to be in person, you can be in person. So and yeah. it was just the best decision that we could do for our family back then. And, and we're loving it. Yeah, good. That's great. Well, you and a whole bunch of others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we're and Arizona's blessed Welcome. to have you. Yeah, well, thank you. Where, where can people find you? Uh, like you're, you're selling real estate, you're, you're, yeah. you're doing other stuff. Yeah, so I, I signed up uh, real estate. I just developed a passion for real estate in California, uh, you know, fortunately making money in, in, in the NFL where I had the opportunity to buy homes and, uh, and sell them at a great profit. Just timing of the market is just lucked out. So I got addicted to it. And so, yeah, I'm working uh, with uh, the, the Karis Group at Launch Real Estate mm -hmm. in, in Scottsdale there and just just enjoying it. I'm, I'm doing, as a former athlete, I know I have the the, the willpower and the, the work ethic to, to do whatever I can just to have success. And I'm kind of giving myself the next couple of years to just go all in and to meet as many people as I can. And and I don't care if the transaction is a dollar or $10 million. I, I want the transaction just because I need the experience and I want to learn a new career. I'm 39 years old. Yeah. And it's not, you know, it's, you know, it doesn't happen often where you go from one career to another and you have to start 
from scratch. It's it's tough, and especially you know it's being in the NFL. It's not really business oriented. You can you can develop a business sense in the NFL by talking to the right people and creating a uh, a brand for yourself. But it's you know you're dealing with other people now, and, and you're you're writing contracts and and doing all that stuff when it comes to real estate. And so I'm learning. And I'm learning on the go, and it's and it's fun, and it's a tough market to be a new agent, and but it's it's fun and exciting, and I'm doing whatever I can to 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 have success. Awesome. Well, you're definitely with a good group, yeah. so that's, yeah, that's, that's that's tremendous. Yeah, that was that was a big thing for me. I, I fortunately I I knew someone on the team, Nicole Condiff, and she she's been a, a great uh, shoulder to lean on and, and ear to talk to. Um, any issue that I have, and she's a big deciding factor to, to go with that team because I knew I could call her up anytime. And the rest of my team, after meeting them, you know, I they're very a, a great team, and they're always there for their for any type of support. Sure. I mean, our, our our text change, our email exchanges, it's it's always you know not every day, but for the most part, you know, several times a week where people are asking advice or. Um, opinions on on certain things, and everyone's right away texting back, and, it, and it's it's a great it's a great feeling knowing, especially for a new career, that I have that support. That's great, excellent. Well, hey, thank you so much yeah, for yeah, taking yeah. the time. Thanks this for coming great. on. This was sort of awesome. well, you, you've been our first sports figure to, wow. to grace us on, on light beer, dark money. <laughs> And uh, thanks so much for coming on and, and uh, for, for being a great coach as well. Well, thank you. <laughs> Sorry if I talked to you a lot. <laughs> no, you've been great. And, uh, you, and You're the guy that's supposed to be the talking. We're, yeah, just, we're, just, okay. we're just here. And just remember that this, uh, this country and this podcast was founded on faith, freedom, and free enterprise. And thanks for listening to Light Beer, Dark Money. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye.